Hi, and welcome to Women CEO in Reflection, a podcast dedicated to personal growth and mental health discussions with women CEOs across the globe. It's here where inspired women get candid about what drives them to succeed and the personal challenges they've encountered on their path to success. So if you're a woman on a mission, this is the podcast you don't want to miss. So sit back, relax, and let's get candid. Hi, and welcome to Women CEO and Reflection. I'm your host, Marisa Jones, and I'm joined by my co-host, Neil Haley. Today's guest is Jennifer Romanecki. She's president and chief executive officer of Marie Selby Botanical Gardens. Since her arrival in 2015, she repositioned the institution as the Living Museum and has overseen the creation and execution of two strategic plans, as well as an innovative master site plan for which phase one will be complete in the fall of 2023. In May of 2020, Jennifer oversaw the adoption of historic Spanish Point as a companion campus. Throughout her career, Jennifer has served in various roles for the New York Botanical Gardens, the Metropolitan Opera, and the Solomon Guggenheim Museum. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So you're a New Yorker, it seems. Um, that's my stop. That's where I grew up. So I love, absolutely love the Botanical Gardens, the opera, and the Guggenheim. Tell me how you got interested. It seems like you're following the path of the arts. So tell me how you got into how you got started. Well, I tell everyone that I started out in visual art at the Guggenheim Museum moved to performing art at the Metropolitan Opera and ended up in living art at the New York Botanical Garden. And, uh, you know, I it was really an honor to work for those established New York City cultural institutions. Um, but my opportunity to take the top position came to, to me from Sarasota, Florida. And so I was recruited to become the president and CEO of Marie Selby Botanical Gardens on the West Coast of Florida. And I'd only been to the East Coast before, like all those New Yorkers. And uh, I just thought, well, it's a chance to have the top job. Why not check it out? And I did. And, you know, I saw the tremendous potential. And, uh, because my husband is home full-time with our kids, he's a consultant, um, we were able to uproot ourselves from New York and relocate to Sarasota, Florida in 2015. And uh, we're really glad that we did. That is so great. So, you know, the the Living Museum, you talked about the Botanical Gardens and the Living Museum. Why don't you, why don't you talk about what that initiative is? Sure. So when I arrived at Selby Gardens in 2015, people would say, oh, I've been to Selby Gardens. It's beautiful, as if they didn't have a reason to come back. And so what I did was uh, institute a new operating model for which we now call it the Living Museum Operating Model. And we now have a trademark from the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office Board. And the idea is to operate just as art museums do with changing exhibits, programs, and events to always give people a reason to come back and to broaden the audience. And so we do that with horticulture and garden displays as well as interdisciplinary with showing works of art 
in our museum that's on the campus in dialogue with these horticultural and garden displays. That's that's really incredible. Um, I, lo I love going to, to places like that. Um, for me, if from a mental health perspective, um, you know, you're, you're bringing out the emotional side, right? Like art and, and plants. And maybe, maybe that's not the case for everyone, but I definitely think the nature side of it can be so healing. Um, it must be just really fun to work at a place like that. It really is. Uh, you know, I love getting up and coming into the gardens every day and, What's nice too is, so between our two campuses, um, we have about 275,000 visitors every year. And I always hear people um, and their comments about how they find being in nature in the gardens is an escape. You know, it, it is healing, it is sanctuary. And, um, you know, I, I always love hearing how people feel about being in the gardens and how it improves their lives. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that I, I love to do when my kids were younger. They would love to come with me, you know, whether it was a museum or whether it was uh, the botanical gardens. Now I, you know, I go with my girlfriends now, right? Because it's it, my kids are, you know, older boys and they don't enjoy it as much. Um, but I, I definitely encourage that for anyone because just being out in nature is just so healing uh, overall and it's just healthy. Um, Absolutely. So, so tell me a little bit about running an organization because I'm sure it's not all fun and games, right? I'm sure it's not all calm and peace and walking through the gardens. What are some of the challenges that you have overcome? You know, you uprooted your family and you started this, you know, becoming the... The, the CEO. Tell me a little bit about that journey. Sure. Well, you know, I think um, with any nonprofit, the biggest task for the CEO is balancing the budget every year and, you know, ensuring that the funding is in place to um, pay all of your employees' salaries. Like that's always, you know, the biggest responsibility for sure. And so, of course, that has pressures because, you know, you have to make sure the funds are there, whether you're earning those funds from earned revenue streams like admissions, membership, you know, shop sales, cafe sales, or whether it's through private contributions and fundraising from individuals. So I think that, you know, there, there's inherent pressures with having that responsibility. Um, but, you know, I love what I do. And uh, I think sometimes challenges really are opportunities. And um, so much of it comes down to relationships and connecting with people as far as how to achieve those goals and balance that operating budget. So you surround yourself with a great team, uh, which is what a really great leader does, right? Absolutely. The team is so important, you know, and, and then, you know, internally having that great team and then externally engaging the community and the constituents who want to connect with the mission, you know, making it 
um, exciting, engaging, you know, um, inspiring, you know, it's really about the experience, um, I, I think, overall, and that that is what helps to secure the funding that's so vital. So being being a, a, an operation that is strict, it runs solely on the, you know, outsiders coming in and visiting and being on site and so forth. How did you manage to pivot during the pandemic? I mean, that must have been extremely challenging for you um, because you're not typically, you weren't probably typically weren't online, right? So what, how did you manage that? Did, was there a time where the gardens were like, what, what's going to happen to us? Like, do we, do we just stop everything and come back in two years? So that's a great question. And the interesting thing about Marie Selby Botanical Gardens is that many organizations contracted because of the pandemic, and we actually expanded and adopted our second campus. And what happened with that is we were in talks to adopt the second campus because they were having financial difficulty and uh, you know they were having trouble earning sustainable revenues. And both of our campuses are right on the bay, they're waterfront, there are a lot of great similarities. And I saw it as an opportunity and uh, we started proceeding with adopting the second campus and then the pandemic hit. And so we took a step back and thought, well, can we really do this at this time? And, um, you know, we really felt that in the long view, it was the right thing to do to protect that second campus. And um, so together, both campuses encompass 45 acres of Bayfront sanctuaries. And we decided to move ahead with it. And then once the initial um, kind of shutdown of the pandemic was uh, alleviated, we found ourselves with one of the few places that people still still felt comfortable going because most of our experience um, in our gardens is outdoors. And so truly we ended up with these sanctuaries where the community could still gather and be outdoors and feel safe. Um, and so it really was a very unique situation because everything else really was shuttered um, except for our gardens. And uh, you know, we were thrilled to be able to provide that sanctuary to our community and to visitors during such a challenging time for everyone. Yeah, so it actually, I would say it was a benefit to the community during that time where they had some place to go. And you had the great weather to support that, right? Because not every place exactly. had the good weather. You know, I yep. live in Colorado. I happen to be in Florida now, but I live in Colorado. And, you know, the weather, you were trapped. You couldn't go anywhere because everything indoor was closed. So, yeah. Like there really was a confluence of things that all, we found ourselves in this really unique space where, you know, gardens, museums, cultural institutions around the country and the world were shuttered and frozen. And here we were in this place where, you know, the weather's glorious, everything could be done outside, 
you know, people didn't have other places to go. So, you know, our, our visitation, we, we've actually had record breaking visitation since then. And, you know, if, if anything good came out of the pandemic, I think the fact that people recognize how important green open spaces are, you know, is, is something that now I think people had taken for granted. And now I feel like no one takes that for granted. Right. It's a place to go to, to yeah. feel, to feel safe and to feel calm and peaceful and amongst all the chaos. Exactly. Absolutely. So what are some of the things that you do to maintain your balance in, you know, in your life? Well, for me, I mean, luckily I do have the garden. So in the short term, if, if I feel like I need to clear my head, I can get up out of my office and go out into the gardens and sit by the bay. So, you know, that, that I can always do in the short term on my own time. My, my favorite thing to do is to go to the beach and to really decompress. And um, in Sarasota, we have spectacular beaches, only a short drive away from my house. So it's nice to have that. And it's also even nice, even though it's hard to make time when you always know it's there and you can just scoot over and get a dose of salt air and peace, um, you know, it, it definitely comes in handy, no doubt. It's so important to take advantage of that. We, we get so busy and caught up in our lives, no matter where we live, that we forget there are, you know, outdoors things to do. And getting in touch with nature can really heal. And it doesn't have to be an hour long or five hours long event. You know, for me, I'll just, you know, I'll leave my house at nine o'clock at night and go for a 30 minute bike ride. Or I'll, you know, I happen to be visiting my brother in, in Florida. I'll take my dog to the marina late at night just for a 20 minute walk around the marina. Um, yeah. Just because that can level set you and, and bring you back to some calmness during the stressful times. Um, so definitely for anyone who's listening, <laughs> you know, take advantage of where you live, take advantage of the outdoors. Um, yes. it's, it's so healing. It really is. And, you know, I think the more people make the outdoors part of their routine, um, the more results they'll see and just having a better outlook. Yeah, life can be chaotic. So every every little pocket you can find that is uh, is worth investigating. Yes. So, for sure. so we're we're almost out of time. Um, where what advice would you want to give to uh, a woman leader who is looking on the path to get into the arts and and maybe a leadership position? I would say that sometimes. Um, you, you need to, the opportunities arise that you may not have been expecting and you can turn those into exactly what you're looking for. Um, so I think women leaders have to take the opportunities that they can get and make them into what they want. You know, I think we, we all have 
more power than we maybe think we do. And so, um, you know, in my case, I had no intention of leaving New York City um, and what I was doing. And uh, this opportunity arose and I took it. And it, you know, I think in the long run, I had envisioned that, that I'd stay in New York, but you know, who knows if I would have been offered the top job, you know, and when that would happen. So I took the top job and went to Florida and, you know, it's been a phenomenal opportunity for me that, you know, where I could really um, lead and uh, make, make some things happen the way I wanted them to. And so I think it's important for all of us to remember that that, that we can control, um, that, that we can turn opportunities and into what we're looking for. I love it. Great advice. Thank you, Jennifer. Uh, where can people find you? So, um, I'm on social media and, uh, I am also at selby.org. Great. Thank you so much for being on the show. Great, great meeting you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Women CEO in Reflection. To reach out to one of our guests, their contact is in the description of the show. Do you want a total mindset transformation? Apply to Mindset Warrior, The Art of Intentional Thinking, my personal coaching boot camp at IamAMindsetWarrior.com and schedule your call with me today. Thank you.